0: Hold on just a second. Acts chapter 8. We're going to be reading uh, 26 through, let's see, 26 through 35. 26 through 37, I'm sorry. 26 through 37. Just remain seated. You don't have to get up. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This was somewhere around 60 to 70 miles. It was a pretty good piece. This is a desert place. That's what I went over last week. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. Now the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. That's what we read earlier in the opening in Isaiah 53. Verse 33, In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And let's just stop right there. He told him the good news about Jesus. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Let's go back to verse 26. That's where we left off last week. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Last week we looked at one verse. Verse 26. We looked at one thought, one theme. And that was Philip being moved from Samaria, where he had Excellent response, An excellent response to the gospel. He was having great success there preaching. People were being saved. People were being baptized. The church was being added to daily. And the Lord says, you know what, Philip? I need you somewhere else. That's all completely up to the Lord. He can do exactly what he wants to do. He felt it best for Philip to be in the desert instead of Samaria. So he says, Philip... I want you to go to the desert. I'm going to send you down there. You're going to go down there. So what does Philip do? He does that. And we looked last week what it, was, what it was for. Ultimately, before anything else, this was for his glory. Not Philip's, but the Lord's. And this is always for the Lord's glory. We just sang about it just a moment ago. We have been called and chosen to be vessels and instruments to lift up God. To exalt him. I exalt thee. I exalt thee, I exalt thee, O Lord. This is what he has called us to do. So he moves Philip away from Samaria, away from the success, and he's going to move him into a desert place. And I told you last week there was going to be springs in this desert, and we're going to find one this morning. We're going to find one in a man by the name of or the Ethiopian eunuch. I mean, that's, that's what he's named here in the, in the scriptures. Uh, so today we're going to be looking at a couple of different thoughts. The first one... The first one is this, the men, M-E-N, the men. Second, the messenger with the message. And that's all I'm going to get to. I'm not going to get to the third part of this today. Uh, and we're going to get, we'll, we'll talk about that later, the electing love of God and what that looks like here in this text. Um, and you're going to kind of see that woven throughout this text as we look at it. But beginning in verse 27, talking about the men. Listen to what it says in verse 27. And he arose and went. First, the men. Look at Philip. Philip, this man did not hesitate, did he? He left. The Lord told him to do something, and he did it. Now, the first part of this sermon is very practical. It is as easy as pie. It is so practical, you're going to say, man, look, I got that down. And I'm going to say, do you really? Because I even struggle with it. So, pay attention. This man did not hesitate. Do you ever hesitate to do God's work, to do God's will? Absolutely, we all do. We're all in that category. Philip gives us a shining example of not hesitating, of not questioning the Lord's will. He says, you know what, I'm going to go and do this. He did not hesitate at all. He did not even speak a word Or a question, he didn't even question the angel of God that told him to go. No question, no debating, no rebuttal, nothing. He leaves Samaria and he's gonna travel, and we don't know how he traveled, but it was more than likely, we talked about this this morning in Sunday school, it was more than likely, or before Sunday school on foot, and he had to travel a long ways. He didn't have an Uber, okay? He didn't have a taxi. He had to travel a long ways to leave success, to go into a place that was dry. The Lord hadn't even told him what was going to happen yet. I'm sure he could assume that he was going to be doing something for the kingdom, but the Lord told him to go there and so he went. He didn't hesitate. He simply by faith got up and went. And here it is. For the saved man, for the saved woman, or child, or young adult, our Lord's desire for us is to get up and obey Him. This is how practical this application is. For us to go over and miss something this easy, we have to be reminded... Daily, I remind my children, I don't want your sacrifice. I want your obedience. I want your obedience. And this is what the Lord requires from us. The Lord's angel said, go. So he left everything happening in Samaria and he went. And he did just that. He went south to Gaza to the desert. So the character, the attitude, the ways of a saved man, woman, child, young adult, older adult, is that of what? And people don't like this word, but it's that of submission to the Lord. Obedience by faith. Obedience by faith. And I think that we all fall short in this category. However, we cannot use that as a cop-out. We can't. The pastor says it, oh, the pastor falls short, you fall short. True, but we can't use that as a cop-out and say, well, we're not going to be obedient just because everybody does it. Just because everybody does it don't mean that we have to. And for children of God, this is something that is so easy to understand, but it's so hard to practice. He calls us to go and to do. And so often we do truly fall short. Verse 27 says, And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. Let's look at this man. We looked at Philip the man. Let's look at this man. Several things we will notice about this man, the Ethiopian eunuch. First, this man was an Ethiopian eunuch. Okay? First, he was a man. That's strike one. Right off the top, strike one, I mean before anything else, he was a man. We understand this. We have went over this. We see it with Nicodemus. We see it with Zacchaeus. We see it with all the people in the Scripture. Why? Because he came from where? Adam. He was a man. Strike two, he was a unit. The son of the first Adam was a lost man. For an Adam, all die. For an Adam, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For an Adam, there is none righteous, no, not one. Paul tells us that. David tells us that. The book of Genesis shows us that. He was a eunuch. He had been, and I hate to use this term, but he had been castrated to serve the queen as to not jeopardize the bloodline or heir of the throne. This is what it was for. According to Jewish law, and you'll have some of this in some of your Bibles, you might be able to look and find this. According to Jewish law, he would not have even been allowed to enter into the temple. According to Deuteronomy 23 and 1, it says this. And I hate to use these terms, but God's Word is just full of it. (laughs) No one whose testicles are crushed or whose male organ is cut off shall enter the assembly of the Lord. Two strikes against Him. He's man and He's a eunuch. He's born of a woman, he comes from the seed of Adam, and he is a unit. Let's move on. He was a court official for the queen of the Ethiopians who was in charge. He was over all of her treasure. And you're going to see where this is going to prove to be beneficial here in just a minute towards him. And how God's orchestrating love is all over this man. I mean, this is just such a beautiful story when you begin to see how the Lord uses and orchestrates this man's salvation. It is, I mean, truly it's glorious. It really is. It gets me excited when I, when I think about it. So he was a high rank. This man was a trusted, he was a trusted man. You put somebody over your treasure, you're going to trust them, right? This was a man that was trusted. Nevertheless, he was still a man. He was trusted with the most valuable of all the queen's treasures. He had authority. He was a man of authority in Ethiopia. Had his own chariots over all these worldly things that the queen possessed. Trustworthy. Seemingly a man of integrity. But we must remember at the end of the day, there is none righteous, no, not one. We can't get away from that. Don't matter how moral a person seems, if they are without Christ, they are not righteous, no, not one. They're just in. And so here we have this man, full of integrity, full of what seems to be uh, morality... But yet at the end of the day, we know that he is a sinner in need of a Savior. Verse 27, it says, He had come to Jerusalem to worship. Being part of the queen's court, this man, still on the man, this man more than likely obtained the Isaiah scrolls. He was reading from the Isaiah scrolls. Whether he purchased them for the queen, just some scenarios here. Now pay attention to me, I'm not saying that this is what happened, but whether he purchased them for the queen or whether the queen had them and it had been passed down to her or it had been given to her as a gift or whether she purchased them herself, these scrolls she obtained and this eunuch had them. She already had these in her treasury. These would not have been something that were not Valuable. These were very valuable things. The the Word of God was just not... We're going to get to that here in just a second. Before I go any further, does anyone else find it odd or a coincidence that by the castrating of this man, it would place him in a position to get his hands on the scrolls of Isaiah? Anybody find that to be a coincidence? I don't. I don't at all. It looks like to me that the Lord had His hand on this man long before this man even knew it. This man was going through persecution. He was going through things that a man ought not to have to go through. But the Lord used it. And He positioned him in such a way that He would be able to receive him. It didn't just happen that that Joseph was second in command in Egypt. It just didn't happen that this Ethiopian eunuch fell into this position of, of over all the treasures of the queen. That in that, he would be able to see the scrolls of Isaiah. They didn't have Gideons back then, guys. They weren't just floating around Bibles everywhere, Okay? The scrolls of Isaiah, this was something that they had to handwrite. Every jot is what the, what the Scripture says in Matthew 5. Every jot and every tittle, everything had to be perfectly spaced, perfectly written. And don't think the queen was going to get some knockoff version. So we have to put some value here on the Word of God that, that she had acquired Somehow. That it fell into the hands of this eunuch somehow. That he looked into it and read it somehow. Are these all coincidences? No, it is not at all. Listen to what it says. Notice also he took his scrolls with him to worship. How many people brought their Bibles today? It's pretty easy, right? This is a pretty easy one. He took his Bible, he took his scrolls with him to Jerusalem. Let's move on from that. A lot of practical points here. Let's say it like this. He actually went to church. He took his Bible with him even when he wasn't allowed to go in you understand what I'm telling you this man had a heart and a desire he had something that had awakened in him that was drawing him to understand the lord but he didn't know because a messenger hadn't been sent to him he didn't know what it was but he was seeking and he was searching he had he had a desire not only did he go to a place of worship, but he wouldn't probably even be allowed to get close to being an Ethiopian and being a eunuch at that. But he also traveled over a thousand miles to do it. Over a thousand miles. Some people say fifteen hundred. In a chariot, not an airplane. And a chariot. We've got people one minute from the church that can't get up and come. This man right here, this Ethiopian eunuch, makes every one of us look bad. He had a desire and his desire was such that he set out on a quest... Like the wise men did. He set out on a quest and he wasn't satisfied. He went and he went and he went all of these miles. He took the scrolls with him. Because he had a desire to just get close to the temple. To get close to the Lord. We've got vehicles. That can go 70 miles an hour. And today it's hard to get church members to come to a place of worship. It's hard. Begging and pleading, please come. Come listen to the Word of God, come praise Him. Bring your Bibles. Learn. God's Word is here. It is in its fullness. The canon is complete. This beautiful love letter that God has given to us. And we take it for granted. We put our cups of coffee on it. And we let it collect dust. And forget that this man went over a thousand miles With scrolls, so that he could worship God. And he didn't even have a knowledge of Jesus Christ. You talk about devotion. It makes me think of Charles Boyd. Y'all remember Brother Charles? Brother Charles, as he got older, he kept driving. An hour. I mean, all the way on the other side of Gina. And it took him an hour because he didn't drive fast. Because he had to sleep halfway through the trip to get here for Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday. And then it became a detriment to his health and to others. And so he started bringing me tea during the day so he could serve the church. On Tuesdays, he would bring me tea. Ben said he couldn't drive at night anymore. He'd bring me tea on Tuesday morning. And I would take it and I would go and put it in the refrigerator. Because he had a devotion to the Lord. Here, this man doesn't even have the knowledge of Jesus. And he's doing everything that he can to get close to the temple makes you really examine who you are when you see it in that light, doesn't it? So he has the scrolls with him. He reads them. He went to worship. And he traveled a long way to do it. Verse 28. And was returning. He was leaving Jerusalem, seated in his chariot. And I always find this odd because he's in the middle of the desert. And he is seated in his chariot. Obviously he had went to Jerusalem and for whatever reason he didn't find the answers that he was looking for. Or somehow missed what was going on there. I don't know exactly what happened. The scripture doesn't tell us. Maybe the Lord was just, you know, had him to where he couldn't see it and understand it until this moment. But we know that he doesn't. He comes back and he is trying to understand the Isaiah scrolls. The book of Isaiah is called the fifth gospel for a reason. Because it has Jesus all the way through it. And he's trying to understand who Isaiah is talking about. Who is this man that is acquainted with grief and full of sorrows? Who is this man that is being butchered in this text? And he can't understand it. And he's puzzled by it and he stops his chariot. And when he stops his chariot, he sits there and he pulls out his Isaiah scrolls and he begins to read them. And I I mean, it's like I can see him. Because I've seen people like this. They're searching and they're searching and they're searching and they're searching and searching. And they're reading the word and they're trying to understand it. And then one day somebody comes. And they give him the key. That unlocks it I remember that with Larry Wilson. Brother Nelson was there with me. Larry Wilson searched, and he searched, and he searched his whole life for what the Bible was talking about, what the truth of the scripture was. And I got to enter in into that picking of that fruit. It was so precious. All I did was share the gospel with him, the truth of the scripture. I gave him the key and it unlocked. And He began to cry and asked the Lord to save him. And was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. I truly believe at this moment that this man was under the convicting power of the Lord God Almighty. He was searching for answers. He had a drawing that was tugging at his heart. You say, how do you know that? Well, why would he be worried about the book of Isaiah? Why would he have his chariot stop leaving Jerusalem, going on a thousand mile trip, open up the scrolls, And trying to figure out who it's spoken of. I'll tell you why. Because there was a personal call that was coming to his heart. And that personal call can only come from one person. And that's the Lord God Almighty. This is a beautiful, beautiful story. We can see the Lord's hand all over his life. The Lord had positioned him. To get his hands on God's word. He had positioned him to get his hands on God's word. He had begun to draw this man unto himself, and it's a beautiful thing to see. The eunuch had begun like a magnet and a piece of steel. The gospel's that magnet, and that steel is out there in a pile of shavings. And you turn that magnet on, and that steel comes to it. This is what's happening. This is what's taking place. This is what is going on in this text. This man's heart was ripening for the picking. And he didn't know it. But he's soon about to find out. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 6 and 44. No man can come unto the Father except him that sent me draws him and I will raise him up in the last day. Did you hear that? No man, Jesus says this, no man can come unto me, Jesus says nobody can come to me except the Father draws him to himself. No man can come. So there's that work of that drawing, that personal, particular call. No man can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. When the Lord begins a work in a person's heart, you can rest assured that he that began a good work is faithful to complete it. Philippians. I'm backing every bit of this up with Scripture. This is what's going on in this man's heart. Look at him, the man, seated in the chariot, stopped in the desert, reading the prophet Isaiah. Who does that? That would be like you driving down the road, pulling over, saying, Oh, wait a second. Getting out on the side, opening the door, saying, Isaiah 53. Somebody would go by and say, Are you okay? (laughs) That's crazy. But here we have it because the Lord is doing something great. Second, we looked at the men. We looked at Philip. We looked at the eunuch. Looked at both of them. Second, and this is going to go pretty quick, so I want you to pay attention. The messenger with the message. Second, the messenger with... The message. Don't think that the Lord is not going to send a messenger with the message. This man was cuffed. He was handcuffed to his own sin, and don't think that the Lord is not going to send someone to give him the key to unlocking. He was bound up in bondage, and don't think that the Lord is not going to send someone to go unwinding and set him free because it's going to happen. The messenger with the message. Turn with me to the book of Romans really quick. Romans chapter 10, and time's getting away from me. Romans chapter 10, 11 through 15. I want you to see this. Romans 10, we know this text, but I want you to go there anyways. We got to go there. We got to go there. Let's go there. Romans 10. Listen to what it says beginning in verse 11. 11 through 15. You talk about Philip. This is going to show us what Philip is. Listen to what it says. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all. This is Paul talking to the Romans. Bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But this man didn't know to do that, did he? So what happens? The Lord sends a messenger to him, doesn't he? Listen to what it says. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? This man did not know who Jesus was. He was reading the very words about him. But he needed someone to tell him who he was. Listen to what it says. And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I want you to understand something today. Philip, when he went to this man, he was a beautiful sight. He brought the gospel, the glad tidings of peace to this man. This is what was taking place. There was nothing more prettier than what was fixing to happen in the text. Philip, leaving the many to go to the one. We see that somewhere else in Scripture, don't we? Leaving all of these to go to the one. Philip, his feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Philip is commissioned. Philip is told by the angel, led by the Spirit... To preach peace to this man. This man's heart was in trouble. This man's heart was in turmoil. How do I know that? I know that because the gospel is what sets us free from that. And this man was asking, who is this about? He was searching. Y'all pay attention to me, please. Listen to what it says. Philip was called upon by the Spirit of God to bring good news and glad tidings. The gospel of peace to a troubled soul. That's the messenger. Verse 29, And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join the chariot. <laughs> Pretty odd. But you know, nothing and nothing. And, I mean, everything in Acts is, is kind of strange if you look at it. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's bizarre stuff happening. He says, go over and join yourself to the chariot. The messenger with the message was told to go and to join himself to the chariot. This random guy's chariot. So what does he do? He runs. He runs. He doesn't just go. Guys, he runs. At this point, Philip, I'm sure, knew exactly what was going on. Because the Spirit's like, go join yourself. So he runs over to him. Philip was obedient and he ran to him. What if we treated every lost soul in this fashion and ran after them and went to them to share the gospel of peace with them? Verse 30. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading, <laughs> and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. And he was reading out loud, which was customary. You'll see that in your notes in your Bibles. That was pretty customary to do. If you were reading, you would you would be reading out loud. And um, he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, "Listen to what he asked. Look, I just have one more page of notes. That's it. Listen to what he asked. Do you understand what you are reading?" What a scene we're looking at. Here this evangelist runs to this man. I want you to think about this. This man is reading the book of Isaiah out loud, this Ethiopian eunuch in a chariot, in the desert. And this man runs up to him, gasping for air. What you are reading? you know what you're reading? I want you to see the response. Love it. Love this. Here we have Philip's steps guided straight to one of God's lost sheep. Straight to it. Once again, this is not a coincidence. Do we find this to be a coincidence, anybody? No, it is not. It is not a coincidence. Nothing in the story is by happenstance. This man was over a thousand miles away from home. But God saw him. He saw him. He saw exactly where he was. He knew exactly what was taking place. God knew where he was. He knew his heart. And God had him exactly where he wanted him. He could have been saved in Jerusalem. He could have been saved in Samaria, but no. No, he's going to be ministered to in the desert. God had him exactly where he wanted him. So he could be set free from the bondage of sin by the good news of Jesus Christ. Don't we understand that the Lord cares? that much for one of his lost sheep, that he would organize and orchestrate this man's entire life. Can we see the sovereign hand of God on this man's life or not? Can anybody else please testify to that? That he would go through so much pain to then be a servant for a queen and then be elevated to a position of treasurer over that treasury. To come in contact with the Isaiah scrolls. To read them and have a desire for them to travel over a thousand miles. To then come back not knowing about Jesus. And then the Lord sends Philip. You couldn't orchestrate this if you tried to. This is how powerful and how good Jesus is. He cares that much for one of his lost sheep. What did he say at the end of Zacchaeus, telling us the story about Zacchaeus? He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And here it's happening, right before our eyes. Look at how the Lord lined all of this up. A beautiful story and it just gets better. We've looked at the two men in the store. We have looked at the messenger, Philip. Now let's look at the message that Philip brought. Verse 31, listen to what it says. And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? That kind of sounds like Romans 10, doesn't it? How can I understand this unless someone guides me? Good news is this there was someone there to guide him. Who was it? Philip. Why was Philip there? For God's glory. Why else? Because God sent him there and Philip was obedient. Why was he obedient? Because he wanted to please the Lord to bring him more glory. And what was he going to do there? He was going to share the gospel. He was going to share the gospel to a lost soul. He was going to share the gospel to a man that needed Jesus. And the Lord lined all of this up. None of this happened by coincidence. Listen to what it says, and I'm done. And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? This man's heart was low. He could have said, I don't need your help. I got this. I'm over the treasury. But he's sitting there, and he looks at Philip, and he turns to him, and he says, I can't understand this. I need your help. I need help for someone to guide me through this. He is puzzled by Isaiah 53. He is puzzled why there's this man in Isaiah 53 who is suffering for people. You think about it from the eunuch's point of view. A man who had suffered... Who, man, who, a man who was probably stripped away from his family. He was sitting in the desert trying to find an answer and trying to find a key to unlock the puzzle. He says, how can I unless somebody helps me? Kind of get a little bit better picture of who he was. This man had been brought low. This man had been brought low. Listen to what it says. Y'all know that I don't ever preach this long, but just please let me get through this. Please, let me get through it. And he said, how can I unless somebody guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. Do you see that Philip takes time here? That the eunuch takes time here for them both to sit next to each other and to go through God's Word together. Philip didn't say, hey, just believe in Jesus and you'll be saved. No, he's going to start where this man is leaving off at. He's going to start where this man is having trouble, and he is going to tell him and preach to him the good news. Listen to what it says. They're both seated and they are taking time to learn. 32. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. The eunuch cannot believe that there would be someone that would do this for someone else. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And he didn't open his mouth. He was led to the slaughter. What does that mean? It was a sacrifice for sin. This was common knowledge. This was something that was very common for the people then. But he doesn't know who it's about. He doesn't understand what's taking place. He knows the sheep. He knows the slaughter. He knows the shearing. He knows what that means, but... But who is it about? Like a sheep who is led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. We see the sacrifice through the slaughter, and we see see the stripping of the Lord through the shearing. And we know that he was stripped of his raiment. He was stripped of who he was, of everything that he was, so that we could be clothed in righteousness. And Philip is fixing to lay the boom on him here in just a second. And he says this, In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. This was the passage. And this man is completely bumfuzzled about who this was about. He was humiliated. He was full of sorrow. I mean, all of these things. This is what Philip says. Then Philip opened his mouth. Here the message meets the messenger. And the messenger begins to preach. I'm going to tell you all something this... This touches my heart and I'm going to tell you the reason why. Because the Lord sent him. He cares that much for a man that people had written off. For a man that was not allowed into the temple. For a man that was not allowed to be a man. The Lord saw him and he saw his heart and he cared about him. And he sent a messenger to him. Why? Because he loved him. He loved that lost sheep that had went astray. He loved that lost coin that could not be found without the saving knowledge of God. He loved him. So he sent Philip to tell him, could you just praise God for How much the Lord loves you? If you're saved this morning, that somehow, somewhere it happened that the message was preached to you, and that your heart was unlocked to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, somebody better give Him a praise for that this morning. Somebody better. Philip was sent. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this Scripture... He told him the good news about Jesus. (laughs) And here comes that spring of water in the desert that I was talking about last week. He calls something that's nothing as though it is. Something that is dead is now alive. Something that is lost is now found. Found something that is stagnant is now bubbling up into life everlasting. And listen to what it says begins with this scripture. And as they were going along the road, or Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about and he names his name Jesus. Jesus. This man had been waiting to hear who this was. You pay attention to what I'm telling you. He had read the Scriptures. He had traveled over a thousand miles and he was on his way back trying to figure out what was going on. And he opened the Scripture and he began to read it and he said the name, Jesus. The good news of who? Jesus. Jesus. It says, and as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? There was a work that was taking place in this man's heart. And it was so evident by the message that Philip preached. It was so evident and so crystal clear that he knew about the... about. the the things that were left, the ordinances that were left for the church. He knew about the saving knowledge of Christ. He knew about baptism. He knew about these things. Philip made it clear to him. He comes across water. And the eunuch says, what prevents me from getting down in there? What prevents me from following through with what God has called me to do? And then in verse 37, this is not in the ESV, it's in the King James and in some of the manuscripts, it's not. But I'm going to go ahead and read it because this is what it says in 37. And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. One of the prettiest Stories in all of the Bible a man that was in the desert, like Hagar, and God saw him. God had His hand on his life, his whole life, to bring him to this one point, this one point in the middle of the desert. That the word Jesus could be said to him. I remember when my burdens were relieved off of my back. I remember when the questions were answered for me, and I remember when the name Jesus became real to my heart. Do you? Maybe the Lord's brought you here right now for this one moment. And I'm emotional. Y'all don't ever see me get emotional. I'm emotional right now and I'm going to tell you the reason why. Because the Lord is still working as He did then with Philip and this eunuch. He is still working today the same way. He can save you right where you're at. Jesus Christ Lived a perfect life that was spotless, that was beautiful. And He went to the cross and He died for our sins. He traded places with us. He took on our sin and it killed Him. And it put Him in the ground. And He rose again on the third day. He traded places with us. So that we could have imputed righteousness. So that we could stand before His Father one day. And it brings it all the way back around so that we could give Him glory. As I go through this book, I'm amazed. as is what the Lord shows me, what, what He shows me. I'm just absolutely blown away by how beautiful these passages are. You think about this eunuch's life. You think about everything coming down to this one moment in time for this man. And then you tell me there's not a God. There absolutely is. And His name is Jesus Christ. And He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And this morning, if you're convicted by the words that's been said, by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God... I will tell you this. Repent of your sins. Turn from your sins and believe by faith in Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you.